Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Real Real Podcast. I'm Jonathan Myers. And I'm Gary Myers. So, this week's episode, we're doing something we haven't really done before. So, the film we are talking about, as of recording this episode, it just released this weekend. We saw it today, actually. And this film in question is Martin Scorsese's latest. It's Killers of the Flower Moon. It's a movie set in Oklahoma in the 1920s primarily. And it is about a a series of murders that took place among the Osage people in the 20s. So a fair warning to our listeners. This film is a very upsetting watch. It's not easy to view at all because these are like real atrocities that were committed. However, we think that it is a very important viewing because of its historical context. These these murders have gone unnoticed for decades upon decades. And they've only really recently truly come to light yeah we think this might be the most important film of of this year um maybe the most important film in a number of years it's a a true story and uh, from what we can tell it sticks pretty closely to the actual events maybe a few chronological changes but um, it uses the names of the the people who were involved in the murders and who were tried for the murders and this came at a you know as a Oklahoman. I grew up in Oklahoma, and I haven't lived there in a long time. But um, so this was uh, one that I was really wanting to see. I'd heard about uh, these murders, and uh, but didn't know much about them at all. And this came in the twenties when you had this whole oil boom happening in Oklahoma. There was a lot of money in Oklahoma. It's a fairly new state, and still. Um, had a little bit of wildness about it and untamed um, in in certain parts and especially where oil booms happened um, that that was a a key feature of the oil boom time was lawless towns and this is about the same time of the Tulsa uh, race massacre and so uh, there was a you know pretty dark history there with uh, racism and classism and uh, greed and so this was a a really bad time for my home state yeah you mentioned you mentioned the uh, Tulsa riot those events are directly referenced in the film because it's happening while all this is happening Tulsa is in close proximity to the Osage reservation so it would have been news there. Yeah. So I I had not heard of this until you mentioned it. I had heard about the film being made and just assumed that it was like just a western or something. And then you started telling me about it, what it was truly about, and it really piqued my interest. And this was like a few years ago as well. It's it's been a it's been in the works for a while. Uh I think due to COVID and we've also talked about how it 
struggled to find funding. This is a very high budget film, and uh, but it got the funding, and it's out right now. Been released to critical acclaim, and yeah, yeah. When uh, a couple of years ago, when we were home for Christmas, when we were in Oklahoma for Christmas, we we thought about trying to go up and seeing them shoot some of the, That's the right, movie, yeah. but uh, we didn't didn't make it happen. But it was uh, a little too far. Yeah, it was a it's a good distance from where I grew up. But uh, yeah, so it's a it's a long film. It's very long. It's so. uh, <laughs> yeah. It's three and a half hours long. I think this is the longest film I've seen in the theater, personally. It's not much longer than Avatar 2, though, so I think I think most people could probably handle it. Yeah, if you go in you know, knowing the historical significance of the movie and... Uh haven't have had enough food and and something to drink before you go then you can you can last uh, but it was a long experience and because it's so brutal at, at some points it was you know it was uncomfortable to watch even yes but i think its pacing is very good for the runtime like it's never it's never boring it always feels like something is happening Everything feels like it has a purpose to further serve the story. So, yeah, one of the kind of disconcerting things about it is, you know, from the beginning, one of the key uh, figures in the in the plot to kill these native people, he comes off as very nice and yes. very put together. And so uh, that's one of the things that, continues on he continues to put up a good front and uh and tries to you know trick people into believing that he's on their side so that's uh bill hale he's played by robert de niro and yeah it's a very interesting narrative tool they use where they slowly slowly reveal this guy to be a monster Mm -hmm. but I think most of the film is from the perspective of his nephew, Ernest Burkhart. Ernest is played by Leonardo DiCaprio. He's the top build cast member. And he's a very, very naive man. Easily manipulated. And that does not excuse everything he did. But... It at least helps you understand what you're seeing as a viewer. You see uh, Bill Hale as this very kind man at first. But it's just all a facade he puts on. Just so he can manipulate people, gain their favor, and eventually just straight up murder people. Like, yeah. One of the things that you notice very, very quickly is he knows the Osage language. And so you think, mm-hmm. wow, he's a friend, you know? This is he, true yeah. also. Like, he did speak it fluently. Mm. The real Bill Hell. Yeah, and so um, so that's one of the ways that he, you know, ingratiated himself to the Osage people is he knew their language. Mm. 
Um, so a little context is, is key to, to kind of understand what's going on. Um, just before statehood, the Osage Nation, oil was struck on their land. And, and so the Department of the Interior set up some management for them. And uh, I think it was in 1906 is when they actually got the, the agreement established. And it gave each member of the Osage tribe head rights is what they called it and and it was a a share in the mineral rights for the all of this osage land and so each tribal member would get an allotment each year and one of the way the government uh, did them wrong was they made the osage most of them get someone as a guardian and so lots of white lawyers and others stepped up to be these guardians and they began to systematically steal from from these uh, allotments and these uh, royalties that they were receiving from the oil so that's the backdrop of this whole thing and some of them decided to take it a little further yeah so a lot of this film follows this incredibly sickening plot that uh, Hale tried to engage in using his nephews. So he wanted to infiltrate a certain, a a particularly wealthy Osage family. The Kyle family. The Kyle family. And now, from the film's perspective at least, and by all accounts, it's apparently very true, Ernest naturally fell in love with one of the daughters, Molly Burkhart. Well, Future Burkhart, Molly Kyle. But they would eventually marry. And as I said, by all accounts, they were truly in love. But that that plot was still, like, leeching its way into their marriage. And uh, his brother, his brother was also married to another one of the, one of the Kyle sisters. And And she ultimately was murdered. Yeah. And um, he was implicated he in was. the murder. And so uh, so they, uh, Hale had this, you know, idea that Ernest would marry Molly and kind of helped him along. But like, like Jonathan said, it does seem like from, you know, accounts that we've read and, and from the film's de- depiction, he did truly care for her, but he often says... That he loves money, and he keeps talking about loving money, and and uh, he was doing other, you know, criminal activity like during this time, robbing people, robbing people, and then like using what he robbed for gambling, gambling right and after. Something. And so the Osage had gotten very wealthy because of all the oil, and so uh, the communities around the Osage uh, reservation had gotten, you know, very affluent and they kept bringing lots of goods in. They were buying cars and, and buying lots of jewelry and those sorts of things. And so he was involved in, in some theft of that. And then there were also a lot of, um, illegal drugs being brought in and moonshine and illegal whiskey. And so there's a lot of like kind of, uh, 
organized crime going on there as well. Yeah, I think this is where uh, Scorsese's experience in gangster films really helps the film. Because it's not explicitly a gangster film. But it has the feel of one. Because Bill Bill Hale is basically a mob boss. Like, mm-hmm. make no mistake by his demeanor. He is basically a mob boss. In a different setting. But, nevertheless, doing the exact same thing. So, Hale's ultimate plan with infiltrating this family was to get the head rights that the Kyle family had. One by one, the members of the Kyle family start dying until it's left to only Molly, which uh, he knows that he's got to get the head rights to him only. And yeah, he, he even convinces Ernest to sign over a portion of that to Bill Hale. And so uh, it's all but done. He's he's going. He sees the end light at the end of the tunnel. He's going to have all the head rights from this family and all the wealth that they had secured. And that uh, so this reminds me of something like one of the first things we said while leaving the theater was how we felt about the character Ernest. You know, he's not as inherently evil as Hale was. However, we didn't see him as a man. We saw him as a boy. And this is amplified, this was amplified by some of the conversations he had with people where they just straight up call him boy. And it really gets you thinking that he does truly act like a boy. He's very easily manipulated. He doesn't stand up for his family like he should. And he's just got a very, like, sad, pitiful demeanor. Like, you feel some sympathy, but at the same time, it's it's more pity, really. You're just like, this is just a sad individual. He's in stark opposition with his wife, Molly, who is a very... A very strong woman. Very intelligent. She knows deep down that something is very wrong with her husband and with a lot of the people around her. It's a very interesting dynamic between them because she ultimately doesn't want to believe what's happening is actually happening because she loves Ernest. She really does, but she slowly, slowly has to come to grips with what is truly happening and why the true reason why her family is being torn apart. So the portrayal of the movie, and, and pretty much uh, history has confirmed this, although there's one case of a law man in Oklahoma who tried to investigate this, but they didn't get much, the native people didn't get much support from the local officials. They sent a man to Washington to try to convince the government to come investigate, and he was murdered in D.C. Finally, a group of Osage, including Molly, uh, went to Washington, D.C., and were able to speak with the president. And ultimately, 
the Bureau of Investigation came down to investigate. This is the forerunner of the FBI. And they sent one agent down, posing, you know, he was out as an agent. You know, they could tell he was an agent. But the rest, public about yeah, it. the rest were um, embedded. You know, one was pretending to be an Osage. He was a member of the Ute tribe, and he came pretending to be a cousin uh, of uh, the Osage. And then another man came as a as a cattle farmer, cattle rancher, and so they assembled a team that began to investigate the murders. And so some of that's clear in the movie. Some of that. We've had to uh, figure out from other readings, but uh, it's very good investigative work they did. Like, this is why it's one of the first major FBI operations. This is an upsetting story in many ways, but one of the ways it is, it does end up having some sort of like solace is the fact that this work was conducted extremely well and it helped them bring some form of justice you know even if it wasn't all that it needed to be yeah so ultimately um there were convictions um well do we want to save those for we don't have to explain exactly the convictions so people were convicted and um and did serve time Uh, they explain all that at the end of the movie But uh, one of the things that came out of this was there is a a law passed to change how rights were passed along. And so in uh, 1925, Bureau of Interior changed the way uh, rights were passed along and it no longer could pass to a non-Osage person. And so they changed it that way. And then all the way, years and years later, the Osage brought a suit against the gover- the Department of the Interior, claiming that they had withheld some some of the money that should have gone to the Osage, and they won the case in uh, 2011 and received a, a 513 million dollar settlement for the tribe. So this comes at a, a great time for Native Americans in Oklahoma. They are really taking control of their own story and not letting as many other people tell their story. And so we toured the Chickasaw Nation Heritage Center and they told their own story about the Trail of Tears and it's riveting to hear their perspective. And so I really see this coming out at, at a time where Native people are really finding their voice yeah, and really asserting themselves and telling their history. So I hope this will help in that effort. Yeah, the Osage Nation... Uh worked very closely with Scorsese because he wanted to make sure it was as authentic as it could possibly be. Because this story is very easy to tell in a way that's just exploitative. In a true crime fashion, just highlighting all of the gory details. And the the film, actually, I'm not going to be specific in the details of this scene, but this the film has a scene that grapples with this idea of how to tell this story. And I think it was told in just about the best way it could have been. Very tasteful, but not compromising either. 
it's showing what happened for what it was, and it's not a pleasant story. So, um, as you can tell, we're we're not as high energy as we usually are. I no, mean, this, this is, is a, a very upsetting watch. But yeah, and so um, we're we're kind of on the a little little down, but um, uh, yeah, after watching that today, and so it's going to have that effect on you. It's mm-hmm. going to be troubling, but it's also going to you're also going to get that moment where you see justice. And so there is that. But it is a tragic, tragic time it's in the history. It's important to learn about things yeah. like this, though. Like, to truly understand history, we have to understand the less pretty aspects of history. The things that it's just, it's kind of a hard pill to swallow. And this is a very difficult part of America's history that we really need to acknowledge. And it brings up the whole, you know, aspect of the relocation of all these tribes. Yes. Um, and, you know, giving promises that weren't kept and uh, moving people around just because you wanted their land. And so this was a continuation of, of really the 1820s and 1830s policies just stole land away from from native people so um it took us a long time to to get past that if we've gotten past it yeah i mean you know i think one of the most startling parts about this film is that generally when we're talking about stories about the manipulation of native americans in the u.s we're talking about it from the perspective of, like, the Trail of Tears mm-hmm. or the colonial era. This is way past all that. This is in the 20th century. This is in the 20th century. That is not that far. And so it's it's sobering to think about the things that were done and um, probably a lot of injustice still hasn't been, been dealt with. I mean, I know it hasn't, so. But I'm very happy that stories like this are coming to light because i mean we need to know what we can do better when you don't acknowledge mistakes you're bound to repeat those mistakes yeah if you... and that's why i think history is important yeah. especially the uglier side of history and you can allow yourself to look at groups of people and place yourself above them Yes, you see you see characters in this film doing this a lot. It's just it's upsetting. It's upsetting to watch. It's just not morally right in any way. So we could talk a little bit about just the overall production of the movie. It's it's amazing production. Beautiful. Shot very well. Shot in wide open spaces uh, on the prairie and then um, in these small towns um, in Oklahoma that were rebuilt and refurbished for for the uh, film. And That's so, where the money went. Yeah, they, they recreated basically everything. So Just, they, you, Fairfax uh, was kind of recreated. I don't think much, of, I, I can't remember if much of it's still still there but um and then the town of ralston they redid a lot of the old the old buildings some of the ones 
or the actual sites of the of the events. Um, so there's a bar that's in a billiard place. That was the they went and shot featured. that in the same place that those events happened. So that's mm. it's just crazy. And so they brought in uh, to Pahuska. They brought in dirt for the main street and had dirt dirt roads in a, a strip of Main Street and I think they may have done that in Ralston as well so it's it's a very immersive experience like you feel like you're you're there at the time of the events yeah it's incredibly well done in that regard and it has the old epic feel to it like it has the feel of like an old old movie Yes. You know, it has that, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of exactly... We were reading on Wikipedia, and this, uh, one of the genres it is listed as is a revisionist Western, which is also called anti-Western, and it has many elements of the classic Western, but it's in, it's attempting to, like, de-romanticize those elements to show the uglier side of the time period those films are portraying, Mm -hmm. those older films. And I I feel like it uses this to a very very effective degree because before the crimes happen, you know, like, it has a different feel entirely. It feels like there's nothing wrong, but you slowly, slowly realize that truly what's happening well and it shows all these people so some of them are re- returning from world war one yeah Ernest know? himself and so um but you see all these kind of um shady characters come into town you know off the train and it's just people lots of people there and they're all coming to try to work in the oil fields and so um you can as you watch, as it unfolds, you can look back and see, you know, you kind of remember those faces in the crowd and how kind of just uh, grim they looked. As as the probably the most notable quote in the film is, uh, can you spot the wolves in this picture? Right. Very. I remember when we first watched the trailer, that was a very harrowing line to us and it sits with you in the film as well. Right. They didn't show it the same way as they did in the trailer. You know, they show you the picture. And can you spot the wolf in this picture? And then they show a picture of all the the elite uh, from Osage County, the white elites. And it says, can you spot the wolves in this picture? Yeah. And uh, basically, most of the people in that picture weren't wolves. They were. And so... Uh, yeah. We think this is a phenomenal, phenomenal film. It's uh, it's one of my favorites of the year. Maybe may my favorite, who knows. But uh, yeah, highly recommend you watch it. Definitely watch it. We were also talking about this after. It is important to watch it in one setting. You need to watch it in one setting to fully grasp the length of this ordeal. Because this was an event that occurred over the span of years. And I think watching it in one setting without pausing 
really makes that impact known. Mm-hmm. One of the things they did uh, that I, j- I just thought about is they, they have you thinking one guy's bad who actually is not. And turns out, and, and he, you know, there's reason to think he's bad. And um, come to find out, he's not that bad after all. And so they, they were really able to kind of lead you along um, a little bit with the niceties of people. And some people seemed phony and some people seemed real. Like Ernest really seemed real in and most he was of his dealings. real in some ways, but... He was phony in, in other ways because he was involved. Other ways. He was deeply involved in this. And, and he never... Shady individual. Over never him. let his wife know until the end. So Yeah. So I'm sorry to go back on that. But um, yeah, so I highly recommend it. Um, I am sad that this happened. And sad that we still haven't completely really found justice for uh, all the lands that were taken from Native people in the United States. Yeah. No. We think this is an important watch. And yeah. I think that about wraps it up. All right. So this has been an episode of Real to Real with Jonathan and Gary Myers. I'm Jonathan Myers. I'm Gary Myers. And thank you for listening.